Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. All right, twelve seventeen. We're here at the Little Rock Touchdown Club. It's all brought to you by Arkansas Urology. Let's head inside. Butch Jones, head coach of Arkansas State, speaking to the club. So uh, our kids have not blinked. Um, so you're able to step back and you look. I see the small victories in our building every single day that the normal person does not see. That still we're in a result-oriented business. I get it. But to be able to step back and see where we're at and the progress that we've made has really been incredible. But when you look at it, <clears throat> when I said I've never been through anything like this, we've had 42 different starters, um, which is truly amazing. This is how my last Tuesday went. We had done with practice, and the next thing you know, I'm calling my wife, and I'm like, meet me at the hospital. So we do something on every Thursday. Uh, my wife makes this chip dip, and we'll give it to two individuals on the team that have kind of overcome some type of special circumstance in their life. And it's something that we presented to them, and we've done it everywhere we've been, and it, it kind of has kind of grown into a fraternity. They all talk about it all the time. So I called her and I said, I need, I, I actually told Blake, I said, call Barb and tell her she needs to be at the hospital in two hours and she needs to make chip dip. And so this is how my Tuesday night spent. Our starting quarterback for the Louisiana game, A.J. Mayer, <clears throat> well, the week prior to playing in the Louisiana game, he was hospitalized with, uh, they didn't know what it was. It was, it was an allergic reaction and they had to, they wanted to shock his heart back in. They wanted to shut it down and then shock it back. That's how serious it was. So he spent a week out. It went away. They did all the allergy tests, everything. They could not come up with anything. So we go into the Louisiana game and at halftime his throwing arm starts to swell up. Now granted, we only have one more quarterback. And his right arm looked like a leg. And so Tuesday he's admitted back in the hospital with a staph infection. And so they think now that was a byproduct of the previous. So his body was, he had the staph infection and his body was reacting to that. So then I find out our starting right guard, who's a transfer from Ole Miss, who sets the temperament for our entire offense, our toughness, work ethic, he's in surgery on a freak accident. So I'm spending my night Tuesday night um, at the hospital and it's just been it's been one of those things so 70 percent of the players that are playing for us are in their first or second years um we're the now the third youngest team in america and on top of that this is our bye week which really in college football is unheard of uh we've had to play nine straight games and the last few games our opponents either had their bye week or 10 days to prepare for us and so you talk about everything coming at you at once and nobody's blinked and it's an opportunity to get better and continue to grow and improve but those are some some fact checks we've lost three plays on fourth downs and then you know when you have a young football team you're teaching them what winning football looks like and you know on on top of playing nine straight games what people forget is these are 17, 18 year old kids that have been away from home for the first time. So midterm exams, regular class workload, uh, all the rigors that a student athlete does and we're playing individuals that are 20, 21, 22 years old and there's a big difference in terms of competitive maturity, 
just overall maturity, all that that goes into it. So as much as this year has been a challenge, it's actually been invigorating because we get an opportunity to build a football program. And, you know, we had some very special seniors last year that kind of helped pave that way a little bit to where some of our older players are following their lead and the foundation that they set. You know, and, and you look at life, you can plan for everything to go your way, and it's never going to go the exact way you planned. So you find out about your character, you find out all about that, the ability to adapt and adjust and continue to grow. So it's actually been really, really exciting um, to see that. I get a text message yesterday, and 22 of our freshman class are eating at J-Towns, and they're sending me pictures of that group together. And, uh, you know, as you all probably are aware, we had the number one recruiting class in the Sun Belt last year, and it was number two in the, in the group of five. And I told our staff last week, that's not good enough. How you change a program is you have to out-recruit each class. So what we did last year has no bearing on this year. We have to out-recruit last year's class. And that's kind of the mindset, the mentality with which we're building it. Um, but the only way you do it is patience and consistency. In today's world of instant results and gratification, that's probably really, really hard to do. And I will tell you this, my worst critic is my 15-year-old. I get home from Louisiana, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and he's sitting up for me, waiting for me to walk in the door. And I'm like, not now. He goes, yep, we're going to talk right now. <laughs> and so then last night I was able to get home a little bit earlier, and sure enough, I go out on our patio, and here he comes moseying out. I said, we're not talking about anything right now. He goes, oh, yes, we are. I need 10 minutes of your time. So I deal with that every day. But... Uh, when you talk about building a program, there's a lot of dynamics that go into it. And I like to think of myself as a builder. I love building something. I love taking something and creating something very, very special. And you're a byproduct of your experiences. At Central Michigan, we're actually 22-3 and three in Mid-American Conference play. We run... Uh, two consecutive games versus Big Ten opponents. We had a mentality. We were an Adidas school. Uh, I had a vision of where our student section would be, our apparel. We were number one in Adidas team sales for two years. It was a mentality that we were the best college football program in the state of Michigan. We went and played Michigan State. They were top 15 in the country, and we beat them. And it was a mentality. Then we go to Cincinnati, and it's really the same thing. Two Big East Conference championships. Uh, had a mentality, had to play uh, Vanderbilt in the Liberty Bowl and uh, came away with that win. And then you go to Tennessee, and we were, I'll never forget, my second day on the job, I already get a call from the athletic director. He says, I need to meet you in your office. I have something I need to tell you. I think I spoke a little bit about it last year, and I'm like, "Did I? am I getting fired already? <laughs> so uh, he comes in, he goes, there's something that we didn't tell you in the interview process. He goes, you're going to be part of the first major college football program that's going to suffer the APR penalty, and that's graduation and GPA ranks of your players. So UConn basketball went through it. Well, we were uh, supposed to be the school in football, 
and creatively and some individuals we hired, we made it by a tenth of a point. And I always say that's the greatest victory in Tennessee history that nobody knows because we would have been on probation, couldn't have been able to recruit, couldn't have been able to do anything. And, you know, life in the SEC going into our last year, we were 19-3 and three in, in play. And then, as we know, it's a week-by-week -week season. It's a year-by-year uh, -year life. And so you try to adapt and adopt all those principles that you're going to. But when you take over a program, so this is the fourth time we've done it, you rely on your experiences. But I think also everyone, you, you, first thing you look at is the dynamics of the league. Uh, in the Sun Belt Conference, I call it, it's just like the Southeastern Conference. The competitive balance from top to bottom is incredible. And you say, well, how has that happened? Well, it, first of all, there's a commitment by every institution in the Sun Belt Conference. And Jeff is seeing it a lot for the first time I'm seeing it, is when we go into road games, the electric atmospheres that they have, the student body participation, the new buildings. We have a tremendous facility in Jonesboro, but now everybody has that. So, you know, there's places that I had no idea that existed that when you go there, you're like, oh my gosh. So when you look at the commitment by the institutions, you look at expansion. Uh, the institutions that we've brought into our conference has really, really upped the level of game from a competitive standpoint, from an academic standpoint, all that that's involved. I think the philosophy of the league has changed. Back when the Sun Belt was a Sun Belt, you win 48 to 47, you'd make sure you had two or three wideouts that could run, you throw the ball up and you outscore people. Well, then App State comes into the league. Georgia Southern comes into the league. You get other teams that come in the league. Now it becomes what the SEC is, a line of scrimmage league. So usually the teams that win, just like in the SEC, have junior and senior offensive and defensive linemen. And then you have one or two or three playmakers. And so that's how the, the, when you're taking over a program, you look at the, the dynamics of the league and what, and what you're going to be going into. I think the other thing is the recruiting area. Where is the recruiting area? We're challenged at times um, because we, we take about a six to eight hour radius. That's our home recruiting base. But we're going to start with the state of Arkansas first and foremost. I want individuals to understand what they're representing being from this state. And I want their families to be able to come and watch them play. So we've made an incredible investment in the state of Arkansas. Matter of fact, I will be back in this area later this week. And so I think that's really important in terms of your recruiting demographics and everything that goes hand. And then I think it's your foundational pieces. You know, it's, it's how many players in the program do you have? We have what's called a G League. It's kind of mimicked after the NBA. We call it a G League. It's a growth league. So it's all of our players that we're attempting to redshirt or new players. Last year we had 46. They were all walk-ons. 43 of them are gone. So we really didn't grow and develop. This year we have 48, and most of them are our scholarship players. So the young man that started at left tackle for us is a true freshman out of Nashville, Tennessee, named Alaric Watson. He was part of the growth league. When he came in, he was 272 pounds. When he started against South Alabama, he was 301 pounds. And he's still going up against a 22-year-old individual. But just that time in our growth league, he's been able to do that. And I think... You know, he, we were very fortunate 
at Central Michigan to recruit and develop Eric Fisher and a guy who's going to go in the NFL Hall of Fame at left tackle named Joe Staley. He falls in the, that realm of those two individuals, and I know that's high praise, but we're really excited about him. So I think all that that goes into the ability to grow uh, with everything that, that we're talking about. And I think as you grow a football program, there's levels or divisions of competency. What does that mean? I usually say the teams that win championships have the best bottom third of the roster. And how do you grow and develop that? Over time. Time waits for nobody, but you have to grow and develop that over time. Everyone, Coach Pittman's done a great job at Arkansas, but I still go back to year two, and we played, when I was at Alabama, we played in Fayetteville. And so, you know, everyone remembers the now. We live in what I call a sports center society. Everybody turns sports center on, and they see the highlights and they think it's easy, but what they forget is the struggles and the trials and tribulations that happen when nobody's watching. You know, they don't see all of our players come in and, and, and do, getting treatment, and they're in at 7 a.m. Um, you know, we've been down two starting offensive linemen, but the young man, I talked about Jordan Rhodes, the young man who I am forever indebted to that I love, and uh, he's one of our core pieces is McKeelan Thomas right here from Little Rock. He's been playing with a broken foot all year. Nobody knows that. And I can't come out and say it because our competitors see it. Now he's hopefully in 10 days he's going to be just fine. He's healing up now. But we had to call another school and get a boot that masquerades as a cleat. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. So he's playing in a boot. And he doesn't practice during the week. And he goes back, it's him and Jordan Rhodes. Jordan Rhodes had a broken shoulder, so he, our two, two of our, we're down two starters and two of the other starters never practiced during the week. And so they have kind of set the foundation of our culture because you always say if you're not practicing, you have to take mental reps. Well, kids today have a hard time focusing on the mental reps. But on video, if you, or you come to our practice, both linemen stand next to each other and the play is going and they're in their stance and they're actually taking their steps and they're calling out who they have. And to me, that's culture. And that'll be a great illustration for some of our younger players when they get injured. This is how you prepare yourself mentally. So there's a lot of great things that are happening. Uh, Sammy Johnson here from Little Rock, we were down um, our three top corners going into South Alabama. And Sammy Johnson was one of them. We expect to get him back this week. Uh, but another great story, K.J. Coleman, you probably never heard of K.J. And K.J. hasn't played one down of football this year. And he doesn't really play corner. He's a safety. We had nobody else. We put him in the game. And they took seven deep balls at him. And he defensed all seven. Why? Because he's smart and he's really competitive and he played with great fundamentals and technique. And so to me, those are all the little things as we continue to move forward uh, in building um, in building this program in a vision to where we want it. And, you know, Jeff and I talk about this all the time, and I spoke about it last year, but I truly mean this. We want to build an SEC football program. And everyone's laughs and they say, well, you're in the Sun Belt. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. We're not going to take a backseat to anybody in the way we grow and develop our players. Socially, spiritually, academically, they're going to get the best of the best. That's all we know. So from nutrition, 
to the weight room, to the coaching, to the structure of meetings, to community service, to academics and class checks, to growth and development in the off season. We're going to be the best of the best because one day we're going to start raising not only our future employees and future leaders, but NFL players. So when they go to the NFL combine and they're running next to the guy from Alabama, they have the kid from Alabama has no competitive advantage because they're from Alabama. They're going to have a competitive advantage because they were from Arkansas State. And that's, that's our vision. And the great thing about being a leader is you get to paint the vision. And Lloyd Carr uh, used to tell me this all the time. He said, Butch, the greatest leaders tell their pillows their worst fears. And as a leader, it's hard because you have to keep everything in frame. You got you to keep everything inside you. And you have to continue to plot the course when things go good, bad, or indifferent. And that's what I love about it. That's why I love being a head football coach. Um, so, again, I appreciate your time today. This is kind of therapy for me, so thank you for letting me vent. I hope I didn't bore you, but I've needed this for a few weeks, so thank you. Um, but, again, I just appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you and everyone from, from Arkansas State. I will tell you, I don't know if the state truly understands what a special place in the leadership that we have in place at Arkansas State, and great things are ahead. We're all in basically year one together. That's the way I look at it, and we get a chance to really continue to grow and elevate our expectations, our standards, everything that we're working towards. So thank you, and I'll answer some two, of some que tough questions. No, that you no, two, two quick questions. Let's give a round of applause for Coach for what he just did there. Two, uh, two quick questions, Coach, we'll let you go. Uh, you said you, this is the fourth time you've, you've, you know, you've taken over a program. First time you've done it with a transfer portal. How has that worked for you, and how is it working, and how is it going to work for you? Well, you have to adapt and adjust. Uh, as Coach Saban would say, there's a reason why there's no more dinosaurs. You either adapt or die. So you have to. I think for everyone in here, it's going to be interesting for you all to watch. So it opens December 5th, but there has been some monumental changes with the portal. So there's a new rule in place. So here's how it goes is if you sign an individual or you take an individual in your program in the portal, you are responsible for him in your numbers of 85, whether he's on your team or not on your team. So if we take a young man and he has three years of eligibility left, and after a year he fails out of school, you, you dismiss him for disciplinary measures, or he comes in and says, I'm done, I'm giving up college, you still have to pay for him in terms of your numbers for two more years. So last year, it was kind of like a free-for-all. Everyone was just taking anyone and everyone to supplement their roster and build depth. Now this year, there's going to be some character evaluations that go into it. I do think one-year players are going to be at a premium. Uh, but it is a challenge because you have to recruit your own roster. And it's a double-edged sword because we're going to win with high school players and we're going to win with growth and development. But I'm also not naive that when a player starts to grow and develop, there's going to be schools that come in and try to buy them. I get that. I think the other thing is, though, is we got to grow our name, image, and likeness at Arkansas State. So there's a lot that goes into that as well because it is here, and name, image, and likeness has hit the Sun Belt now. Everyone thinks, oh, this is just an Alabama, an Arkansas, a Texas A&M thing. Uh-uh. 
This is college football, and right now it's here to stay. So we have to be able to adapt and adjust and, and implement our policies and procedures to move forward and be able to recruit on a competitive basis as well. All right, last question. Uh, you've played, for those that don't know, Sully mentioned it in the intro, a coach played at Ferris State, which is Division Two, and one of the things we love here at this club is we give awards to the top uh, Division Two, II, Division Three, NIA. I mean, we small college football. So you've experienced that as a player. You've been a head coach at Central Michigan, Cincinnati, Tennessee, now at Arkansas State. We just heard the news of Brian Harson being fired. Well, college football has changed a whole lot. Just your perspective as a guy who played at small school college and. You've coached at the highest level. Just college football, where it's come from, where it's going. Uh, you like it? Uh, what do you not like about it? Ooh, that's that's a long, that could be a long answer, but it makes you appreciate everything. So I grew up in Michigan. My father was the chief of police. Um, I had to walk on at Ferris State, a Division II school. I was not a very good player. Um, my dream, my dream team, if you can believe it, was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm the greatest Tampa Bay Buccaneer trivia person ever. And so uh, my aunt and uncle lived down there. Long story short, I wrote the organization letters for since 1976. And I grew up in a small resort town. And so uh, I was just, my senior year in high school, I believe it was, I get a random call in July Ray Perkins had just become the head football coach at Tampa Bay, and they were looking for somebody to come in and do the laundry for training camp. And I had to be there the next day. I said, I'll take it. Got on a plane and went to Tampa Bay, and that's where all my contacts. And after two weeks of doing that, they elevated me to the game, and then I got into coaching. So when I was at Ferris, uh, I blew my knee out in a staff basketball game at Tampa Bay during training camp. So I got into coaching. And so... Uh, I would go to our games at Ferris State, then they would fly me in on the weekends to wherever they were playing. And I'd run all the pregame warm-ups. I would actually do video breakdowns in college, uh, advanced scouting, and do some things that way. Um, and that was, uh, that was in 1987 when Ray Perkins, we drafted Vinny Testaverde as our number one overall draft pick that year. Um, so I'm a self-made person because I didn't play at a big school. I wasn't a good football player, so I had to earn everything that, that I got. So I think that work ethic uh, started there. It makes you appreciate everything. In terms of the world of where we're at, um, I'm concerned. I think if every coach is real with you, there's some really good things going on, and there's some things as an industry we have to get our hands around. And college football is still part of the fabric of education and of institutions. And so I think as we continue to go, I think we need to get our hands around some situations that are facing us that are really going to affect the future of college football. It's the greatest sport going, as we all know. There isn't any one thing that brings communities, college campuses together, people together more than college football. But I still think that it's still part of the educational value that we have to continue to play in, and we have to adapt and adjust, but I do think there's issues that we have to get our hands around. I think if you ask any head coach or you ask Jeff, I think Jeff would tell you the exact same thing. There's some great things about it, and then there's some things that we got to work to continue to correct and fix as we continue to move on. It's still the greatest life lesson. You know, I say football is life just sped up a lot faster. And all like so all the adversity we're going through right now, that's gonna serve our players for many years down the road, and it's gonna serve our program for many years to come. 
And, uh, you know, nobody likes where we're at, but you know what? you got to embrace it, and you got to be better for it, and we'll do that. Coach, good luck the rest of the year. Let's give it up for Bush Jones, everybody. Thank you, Coach.